we are recording. Hey, what's going on there, everybody? Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. Eric Nemchuk here, alongside Stephen Trinkwald, and we are going to be talking about today, what else? Game one of the WNBA finals. Of course, that's the topic for uh, a Sunday going into Monday pod. It was maybe not quite as competitive of a game as we hoped, but the first of uh, hopefully a long series. Uh, Eric, maybe you disagree with that last part, but <laughs> um, yeah, and some obviously much needed, but also much talked about context uh, for this one would be, I think, the rest situation uh, and the advantage that Chicago had in closing their um, their series out in four games in Phoenix. You know, this was a Sunday game and they had just played uh, Friday night in truly one of the, the best games in recent memory. I said uh, on Twitter that it was maybe the best game since the Vegas-Washington semifinals in 2019. But thinking a little bit more about it, maybe that, that Vegas-Phoenix game five over the weekend was the best game since maybe Phoenix-Seattle in 2018, just in terms of an individual game. It was truly uh, an instant classic, um, but that left a, a pretty quick turnaround for an already shallow team in the Phoenix Mercury missing a lot of key contributors on the wing. And, you know, that really manifested today, unfortunately. It did. Uh, in case you uh, missed it, Kia Nurse is out with a torn ACL, unfortunately suffered early in that game. It was it was in game five, right? Or was it in game four? That injury was in game four. It was in game four. In the, okay, the, the very, very early seconds. Yeah, it, it was early in game four. That's right. And then uh, Sophie Cunningham also dealing with a calf strain, I believe it was. So... Phoenix a little a little shallow there, um, and then Diana Tarazi dealing with uh, foot injury. Like they said, there's also a, a broken bone in there. I believe I'm not sure when that happened, but um, and also birth of her second child with with, with Bunny Taylor. So congratulations on that. Congrats but, um, to those two. Yeah, congratulations. But that means, of course, that rest is uh, not on their side right now, and the uh, the two day turnaround. So not not very uh, not very fortunate. So. Now, Phoenix did get out to a quick start in this one, Stephen. Um, a lot of their weapons were on display, but as the game kind of went on, it just looked like they kind of ran out of gas, and Chicago's game plan, particularly defensively, was, I thought, excellent. What specifically jumped out to you about that game plan? Because I agree with you. There there are definitely some highlights, I thought, to James Wade's... Uh, James Wade... Yeah, James Wade's. <laughs> it sounds weird putting the S on both of those, but it's, yeah, um, with James Wade's uh, defensive game plan, um, what, what did you like about what the Sky did today? They were really aggressive. They were really aggressive. They, they were speeding the game up. Um, and this is... In, in that, like in a macro level, it wasn't really much different than what they did against Connecticut. But doing it against this personnel that the Phoenix Mercury have is a lot different because you're not exactly going against a backcourt deficient team here. Um, but rhetorical question, what's the best way to stop Brittany Griner? Don't let her touch the basketball. And I thought for the most part, this guy did an excellent job of that. BG, of course, still got her still got her 20-piece uh, on 7 of 15 shooting. But impactfully speaking, offensively, they were able to really pressure the ball at the point of attack. They were being uber aggressive on basically any ball screen or any dribble handoff and it made the phoenix guards uncomfortable it made their their guards and their wings uncomfortable and they were not able to really get britney griner open very few times you even saw britney griner have a one-on-one matchup you know and that was that was key it was yeah that was very important and i thought chicago in their aggressiveness some of those hard hedges or those traps 
Um, it really forced the Mercury guards, and it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to this, to kind of miss some of those opportunities of having Griner yeah. and Turner you know, kind of wide open in the front of the rim. You know, each of those players, Turner and Griner, had a couple looks where, you know, just a quicker decision or a quicker pass from the guards uh, involved in that action, you know, would have been a pretty easy bucket. Or even like, uh, I, I saw at least a few times when they, they got the ball out of the trap, but it just went to Kia Vaughn at the elbow and, and for a mid-range jumper. It's like, yeah, as as a Sky fan, I'll take that. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into the overall depth of this Mercury team and probably the sky's biggest advantage is i mean they, they just have more more good players right and it's it's not just the starting lineup where i think they bring with them a, a little bit more balanced of an attack but it was a rough one for vaughn it was a rough one for hartley uh turner did not have her most effective game offensively and you know like you said things were starting out pretty good for phoenix and tarasi got going early um maybe before they were able to kind of get into those traps tarasi got some action in the the pick and roll. And like you said, Griner, you know, it was at 20 on on 15 field goal attempts, but it just didn't seem, it wasn't one of those kind of Vegas series Griner games. Uh, And She wasn't controlling the game. She wasn't controlling the game. And I thought this was maybe her worst defensive game of the playoffs as well. Yeah, she was out of position on a lot of these. You know, Kalia Copper for this guy had a terrific game. Ellie Quigley was actually able to get a few buckets, uh, like inside the three-point line. Not, uh, which we, we we saw a little bit more of this this year, but um, it's not her forte, obviously. Vandersloot had had several drives to the rim, and just granted, she just seemed like a step slow on all these rotations. It seemed like, harkening back to previous seasons in which she wasn't really in position to affect the shot. Um, I, I think a lot of Brittany Griner's defensive impact is just her, just the intimidation factor, uh, her able to you know. Um, you know, affects shots. Of course, she's a great shot blocker when she's in position, but also just her length affecting shots. But when her back is turned, or when she's out of position, when she's when she's playing catch up like that, there is no such intimidation factor. You know, like she's already been beaten, and I saw that an awful lot today. Yeah, and I thought Chicago's ability to really play a five out offense much more so than than Vegas is able to. And, you know, we saw Cam Beige hit a couple threes over the course of that series, but it's not the same panic and just gravity that, you know, Stevens did not attempt a three, but I thought her positioning largely outside Griner was spending a lot of her time on Stevens defensively while Turner handled the Candace Parker matchup. So neither of those players. And then the other the other big for Chicago in this game was Steph Dolson, who I thought had Huge. had a great game outside even of her you know, her uh, her two threes made, and she had a couple, even before this game kind of really got away from, from Phoenix, had some big plays in the first half, a, a nice assist, and another two on Turner. But just the way that Griner just absolutely did not want to allow an open three-pointer, for, like the floor spacing in, in this game for the Sky was something that Phoenix was not really uh, prepared to, to kind of make those rotations. And you saw them doing a lot of um, switching and... You know, things I, I, overall just not a very disciplined game defensively, uh, which you know is not super surprising because you're facing a brand new opponent on on very little turnaround time, and I expect just an overall crisper game from Phoenix uh, in game two. But I guess to kind of wrap up my point, the floor spacing from those three bigs at all times really um, you know opened up a lot of uh, lanes for pretty much all of the perimeter players for Chicago. Three bigs. 
And this goes back to a point you made to an adjustment uh, that James Wade made about midway through the Connecticut series. Astu Dufal barely played. Ruthie Hebert, barely, I mean, it was, it was, they were just garbage 10 minutes, right? Basically, a three-big rotation between, between Parker, Stevens, and Dolson. And Dolson came in, and I thought she had a terrific game. I agree. Um, and I think that, that three-big rotation is very much deliberate in terms of the, the point we were just harping on, kind of making sure that you have five out at all times and taking those two, you know, Griner is maybe not a perfect defensive player, but she's a rim protector of nothing else, and, and Turner can obviously block shots as well. So just drawing those two out as much as you can. And also the passing ability. I mean, it's no secret Dolson is a great screener and she's a great passer. So even if she's not hitting the three, I mean, she's not the, she's not going to be the, the, the type of stretch big where she gets up like six or seven three-pointers in a game. But just the fact that she's dangerous out there and she, she's willing to, willing to take that shot when Griner is not even really in the same zip code. Um, and of course, as you always like to mention, great chemistry with Ailey Quigley. If you have a great screener and a great passer for a big with one of the best guards in the league moving without the ball and shooting threes, that's a pretty darn good combination to have against a defense that, you know, they were tired. You know, I, I'm not usually one to harp on the on the conditioning and the and the and the fatigue and what have you. But Rebecca Lobel mentioned this several times on the broadcast. You could just see like in the second half in particular that Phoenix just they're making a lot of mental mistakes on defense. And that comes from fatigue. And when you have so many players who don't stop moving without the ball and or set great screens and make good passes and make good cuts, it's really hard to continue to have that constant communication on defense to to stop all that off-ball movement, you know? I mean, how, how many backdoor cuts did you see from players like even Vandersloot? She had, she had a couple backdoor cuts that, you know, like, you're not used to seeing Vandersloot do that. But because the Mercury's, you know, backside help fell asleep, it was an open layup. And, um, and it, it was just an, another killer screening game from Allie Quigley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, who did? I, I believe Kurt Miller said that Quigley's the best screener in the WNBA, or the best screening guard or something. Yeah, I, I, ca- I caught that on the broadcast. And uh, It's interesting. It's, it's certainly for a guard in terms of getting, you know, an, and an off-ball player for sure. I mean, that and Kurt Miller uh, would know because Quigley killed them in that last series getting yeah, uh, on exactly. those back doors. So. One thing I want to ask you, who, who do you think was the best player in this game? I think it was Kalia Copper. Um, I think you could also make an argument for Vandersloot or Parker. Both of them played their games spectacularly. You know, Parker, 16 points, eight, uh, eight rebounds. I think she did a good job of, you know, defending without fouling and controlling I, the board. I thought she was great on Griner. Yeah, she was really good on Griner. And, you know, it, it's never one player on Griner. As, as as I was saying, you know, it, it's really a team effort and the way they were denying the basketball. And she, she was able to, you know, reach around a few times. The, the, the few times that passes did get in there or were attempted, Parker was able to at least get a deflection or get her hand on it that either led to steals or just, just blowing up the play. Um, and, and the other I, thing, I'm sorry, that you, you can okay. continue on uh, Copper in a minute, but the other thing that I thought Parker was great at was in the minutes where she was guarding Brianna Turner, like, all attention, no matter who the second big was, was on Brittany Griner. Yeah, uh, you know, rolling down the lane. It, it was she was seeing two two bigs, uh, even without the basketball. You know, they weren't over committing, but they were both kind of making their presence felt. And Parker is just one of the best in the league in terms of being in great positional defense when she doesn't have a real offensive threat that she needs to guard, which was the case tonight when she was on Turner. Heading into this series, uh. First of all, as a Sky fan, Brittany Griner terrifies me right now because I think she's the best player in the world at the moment. 
but I think they have the personnel and the defensive scheming to at least make this difficult on the Mercury as a whole because of that. I mean, you've said this how many times about, you know, the, the way to, to neutralize Brittany Griner is to help off Brianna Turner, you know? And to her credit, Brianna Turner did get a few open shots at the rim, uh, but... Not, not enough, though. Not enough. At the expense of Brittany Griner having one of her dominant Brittany Griner games, and I'll take that, as I said. But going back to what I was saying, uh, Copper, for this Mercury team in, in its current construction, in its current, um, the current lineups that it can roll out there, she's too quick and she's too physical. 21 points, 10 rebounds, five of them offensive. When you're, That's a career high, by the way, five offensive lacking, rebounds. Yeah, when you're lacking a big wing like Nurse and or Cunningham, Kalia Copper is going to go out and do that. You know, maybe they could. A positive residual put out a nice uh, a nice chart on Twitter detailing Copper's um, field goal attempts. It was a really good-looking shot chart. She only took one mid-range shot. Everything else is in the paint, at the rim, or behind the three-point line. I think the Mercury can adjust to that, you know, maybe running her off the line and, and, and kind of forcing her to pull up for that mid-range shot. But as far as pure physicality, I don't think a rotate a wing rotation of Petty, Hartley, and Diggins Smith or Tarazier, basically anybody they can they can put on Kalia Copper. They don't have an answer. No, because she's just gonna jump over them or or muscle them out of the way, you know? So that's I think that's I think one advantage this guy are gonna have regardless of scheming or, or game plans or what have you so and and of course she got to the cup many times like totally assertive no one was really stopping her off the dribble and as you said Griner, poor defensive game not, not many players stopping her at the rim either so in my opinion it was it was Kalia Copper but shout out to Courtney Vandersloot as well 12 points 11 assists five rebounds zero turnovers uh you can't get much better than that from the point guard it's a pretty good line pretty good um and they had Phoenix had a real heart I think their defense on Courtney Vandersloot will improve over the course of the series. I agree. I think Diggin Smith can do a little bit better on ball. You know, I think I just disagreed a little bit with the way that Phoenix kind of uh, with with what they what they wanted to do defensively on the perimeter. It was a lot of uh, Shea Petty on Courtney Vandersloot. It was a lot of Diana Taurasi on Allie Quigley, and and that looked okay. I mean, it didn't look okay. It resulted okay <laughs> early in this game with Quigley missing a lot of really, really great looks that I don't think she's going to continue well, to miss over the... Go ahead. Well, your defense is going to look okay if it works, right? Yeah, but I mean, the quality of looks that Quigley was still getting, yeah. like, I just... Um, f- like, I don't think this team is going to have an answer for Kalea Copper regardless. I think that their their best option, in my opinion, is... Skylar Diggins Smith on Courtney Vandersloot. It, it might get rough in the pick and roll, but she's, yeah, you know, she's a, a, an adequate option there. No one else can chase Quigs around other than Shea Petty. That that's who you got to kind of glue to Allie Quigley, and she she's not perfect for that role, but I think you know she's she's the best option they have. And then Diana Taurasi, yeah, she's it's an athletic mismatch, and uh, obviously gar- trying to guard Kalea Copper, but she'll keep her off the boards a little bit. You know, granted, she might fall asleep, maybe, but she's not just going to kind of get out strength for some of those boards um, like Copper was able to do. And, you know, you just got to hope that Copper is the one that kind of gets a little cold from deep. Uh, You know, she's going to have a great looking shot chart, as she always does. You know, she's not really a player that's going to live on non-paint twos. But no matter what you what configuration you're throwing out there, you don't have a good option for Clay Copper. So putting the best option you have 
on the other two, in my opinion, is kind of, you know, what you should be prioritizing. So are you basically saying let Copper get hers and, and try to hold the rest in check? To, to some extent. I mean, the other thing is, you know, the kind of um, outside the box idea of, you know, maybe putting Turner on your wing that I was floating around with Benajah Laney, like that's just not going to work. Like Copper is just so much quicker than a Laney or a Dewana Bonner or something like that. Like you don't really have, that's not a realistic option in that series, or in this series, I should say. So, you know, Copper is going to have her 17 to 23 points each night. Uh, and, and that's going to be a killer, obviously, but I think she's just going to drop that no matter, they, they just don't have any good choices, you know? No, yeah, it's it's really going to be a struggle, and that's as a Sky fan, that that's one advantage I felt comfortable having heading into this series. We'll see what happens when Cunningham comes back. I, I believe Brondello said she's going to be available for game two, but even then, I mean, she's not going to be able to, able to play the entire game. And, and Copper has blossomed into this player who she's going to get to the rim at least a few times, no matter who's guarding her. But but even so, so even with Cunningham, like I don't think at this point with everything that we've seen, like I don't think Cunningham is going to eat into Shea Petty's minutes. It's just going right. to be the, it, it will probably be less because you imagine DT's minutes will go up over the course of the series. But you know, the 28 minutes that they, they got from Hartley, who was terrible tonight and Megan Walker, who just wasn't even, you know, playing basketball. I don't she think just gave me nothing. No. Yeah. Speaking of Hartley, she played 21 minutes tonight, one of eight from the field. Did it look like she was ready to play bad? Because that's the thing. Like, I brought this up on a previous podcast, I believe. Yes, she's back, but is she back back? No, she's well, she's just not ready to contribute at this What kind of level. an impact is, is she going to be making in this series, if any? Uh, a, a poor one, a negative one, I think, negative one. for Phoenix. You know, she hit her first shot. I think it, it was a, an open three. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was a struggle from there on out. And... The tough thing is, is this just isn't really her game, but the only real chance that she has to be effective, I think, is as a spot-up player just because she has she has no lift at all right now. She has no juice off the bounce. You know, she just can't get by anybody, and it's not her fault, right? She's coming off a major, major injury that takes mm-hmm. more time than has been allowed for her to recover, right? So, you know, we're not saying Hartley is a bad player, but she's just not ready to contribute at this level, and, you know, Sandy Brondello feels the same way because she wasn't playing her when she— they. They had more healthy bodies. So Hartley, you know, she was getting cooked by Quigley. She was getting cooked by Vandersloot. She's not really giving you anything offensively. So that little bit of extra uh, floor spacing and, you know, the the leak outs that Sophie Cunningham can give you. And obviously, you know, she's not a great defensive player, but certainly an upgrade over what Hartley's giving you right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Anything else that really stood out about this game? Well, I thought Skylar Diggins-Smith looked really good early. Um, early. She, she absolutely just... Diamond to Shields had nothing for her in those minutes. Uh, she got an and one with Diamond guarding her. I think the fall might have actually been on sloot, on a reach, but it was because she got by Diamond. Um, she got a ri- away from Diamond uh, curling around a grinder screen. You know, Diamond gave up another foul on her on a driving kick. I, I thought, you know, sometimes uh, the Sky liked to put Diamond to Shields defending the point of attack. And I think that makes a lot of sense in, you know, if it's like a, an Enrique Gumbawale type player, but Skylar Diggins-Smith is just a little bit too quick, but we too still quick. just, we have to see, you know, more, you know, um, I guess, what is it? 10, 10 shooting possessions? Like that, that's just not enough with kind of what the rest of this roster looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, as we say, uh, there's no guard better than Diggins-Smith at getting into the lane and getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line 
she took three free throws today, uh, and that's and, and one of them was on an and one. So it's like, yeah, I do think you need to see more out of Skyler, particularly on particularly on offense. And then like you think about it, you look at the way this roster is built. Okay, Tarazi, there's no secret she's hurting. She's she's broken down. She's not going to be able to, you know, give you her usual Dana Tarazi stuff. And then if they're doing such a good job defending Brittany Griner or not like not getting not letting her get the basketball I should say that falls on your third member of the big three and that's Skylar Diggins Smith she did hit a couple of open three-pointers early and like you said she did get going early but kind of disappeared down the stretch there and that was probably the biggest disappointment to me if I'm if I'm being honest with the Mercury because she's a player who's in terrific shape she's still in her prime athletically and it's not like the sky we're doing we're structuring their entire game plan around stopping her like they were Brittany Griner, you know, so that it, it should have been Skylar Dingen's opportunity to take advantage and, and, and take advantage of these one-on-one matchups. And she just wasn't that much of a factor. I, I do think those games will come for Skylar. I think this is a much, much better matchup for her than the Vegas series was. Um, and I think, you know, with, with having Monday and Tuesday to kind of rest and recover, I, I think we will see, a different Phoenix team, but uh, unless you have anything else on this game, we can we can kind of transition, I guess, to what we expect or or kind of want to see from the rest of this series. I do have one more thing. Uh, fast break points. Phoenix actually got more, six to four. Chicago four fast break points. I, I don't really think that's really indicative to the pace that Chicago was able to yeah. play with, especially from like mid second quarter on, while they were kind of really making that run. Well, Chicago definitely controlled the pace of the game in their favor. There's, there's no doubt about that. And, and when you, when you think about scoring, like, okay, just because it's not a fast break layup, doesn't mean they weren't able to get a solid transition possession when off a defensive rebound. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, also, Chicago out rebounded the Mercury thirty-four to twenty-nine. Obviously, much easier to run if you rebound. So that's something to keep an eye on the rest of the way as well. So another yeah. performance of the sky just being great on the glass. You know, as a team. You know, uh, Kalia Copper, I mean, when, you're, when your wing player is leading your team in rebounding, that I think that shows you how how much of an effort your team is giving. Like, as as a team crashing the glass, you don't have one, you don't have, like, one big, I mean, going against Grindr, that's, that's not going to happen anyway, but you don't have, like, one big getting 14, 15 rebounds or anything like that. So, yeah, really solid effort on the glass, although not a single rebound from the Sky Bench. That's kind of interesting, but okay, we can move on if you want. Okay, where should we start? Do you want to start with kind of the Sky offensively or Phoenix offensively? Let's start with Phoenix offensively because I feel like their team, I mean, Chicago punched first. They were, this was more or less a blowout. You know, I mean, you could say that the Phoenix bench came in and made the final score somewhat respectable, but I mean, it was a 20-point game in the fourth quarter. So Phoenix is on their heels right now, and they got, they just got blitzed defensively. They weren't able to establish uh, the best offensive player in Brittany Griner. Diana Tarazi was out of rhythm. You know, she turned it over six times. She committed five fouls. She just wasn't wasn't Diana Tarazi, really. And Diggins Smith, of course. And and Tarazi, I think, is probably the highest variance player oh, yeah. in this entire series. You know, she's I agree. She was I mean, she had seventeen points on, you know, whatever, twelve shooting possessions or something, but I thought it was overall a very poor performance from Diana Taurasi. You know, she was terrible defensively. She had the six turnovers. Um, if we if we get a little bit more of a locked-in Taurasi and, you know, that it's it's five threes made instead of three threes made and the turnovers are, you know, it's three instead of six, 
things could definitely be uh, a, a little bit different for for them. But for just the Mercury in general, like maybe it's it's unfair to ask this because you know these these three stars of theirs already scored you know two thirds of their points today. But we just need more out of all of them. Like it like you're saying, you know, Griner had kind of like a, a quiet twenty points if that's possible for for BG. Like she just didn't have the type of impact. She you know only. She was under 50% from the field for a player who's been tremendously efficient this season. She missed a, a couple uh, tough but makeable kind of, you know, in-between shots, you know, not not quite mid-range necessarily, but she also wasn't just like kind of sinking those, those deep twos like we saw in the Vegas series. Uh, and she just, you know, needs to be a more commanding force, as does Skylar Diggins-Smith, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Maybe maybe more effective seals for Brittany Griner. Like I said, she did get the ball in one-on-one situations a few times, and that's that's going to happen. But you got to make yourself available. She's six foot nine. I mean, come on now. Like, she it's not like she's an invisible target down there. And I don't think I'm not sure if Chicago is going to be able to keep up this defensive pressure for the entire series. Uh, so it's about taking advantage of when they don't. And as for Diggins Smith. Totally agreed. I don't think this guy have a really good answer for her defensively. Um, she should. There's no reason why she shouldn't be able to get into the paint and, and, and draw her, her fair share of fouls there. And yeah, Tarazi, I agree. Very high variance player. It's It's been like this way for a few years now, ever since she really started uh, leaning into the three-point shot and the rim, ever, ever since she really stopped taking a lot of those mid-range shots. When she just started launching from out there. I forget what year year it was specifically, but if you look at her year by year, her three point attempt rate went way, way, way up a few years ago. Um, and it, she's had games where she's like two of twelve from the three point line. It's like, well, she's not going to do that again, and she don't, she doesn't. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a high variance approach for her. So I I'm expecting a much stronger effort from the Phoenix Mercury in game two, especially given the extra rest and the extra. The extra day to prepare too. You know, I think when you when you talk about rest days, it's often discounted that those are also preparation days. Chicago came out with a really stout game plan, and now the Phoenix have Mercury have two days to to counter it. One thing I mean we're just going to need to see from Phoenix is a way for Brianna Turner to be a more impactful player on yeah. offense. There was so much. I mean, how many times did we just see her catch the ball at the top of the key? kind of swing it back to her left. And that that's an action that you kind of, I think Phoenix wants to run because you're creating a screen on the ball where your screener's defender isn't there, but it's, you know, so so now it's kind of two-on-one, but it, it's still not really two-on-one if you don't, one, if you're not able to just can a three right away. Yeah, then what is she doing with after the screen though? Yeah, exactly. And you're, you're it's not really creating an advantage attacking the rim because you know that's where turner's defender is anyway so you really kind of have to have a lights out shooter for that to be you know an effective go-to play otherwise it's just you know uh, a a non-offensive threat standing in a uh an area of the court that she's not a threat to score and just kind of you know swing okay run around swing you know, kind of roll to the hoop and, and not really do anything. So, you know, we, we just need to see maybe it's a little bit more of kind of a, a lob threat. And again, I think there were some opportunities for her at the rim that was kind of missed by the team overall, where she, um, uh, the other thing is that there's such a huge difference between Turner 
just being able to catch and, and finish and even having to take a single dribble. Uh, I feel like, you know, she has not hit a shot in the end. It's probably not true, obviously, but I feel like she hasn't scored at all when she's had to go like a dribble or two before kind of taking that layup over a big. That's a good point. It can't be many. It can't be many. Turner is exclusively a play finisher, exclusively at the rim. And as, as for as underrated as I think she is offensively, uh, that, that, that's it's still a fact. Um, as well as, you know, I also think the Phoenix bench just needs, they just need to get something out of this bench. I know Kia Vaughn is not going to be a go-to player in this series, but the way Dolson was able to just totally outplay her, and like it's not like they were matched up a lot of the time, but if you look at bench production, like that's that's functional depth no, I mean, versus you're, yeah, you're right. Kia, not Kia, functional depth. Yeah, Steph Dolson was very good, and Kia Vaughn was very bad. Right? She was two for seven, and how how does Kia Vaughn even be put in the position to have five turnovers? I don't know. Uh, it's it's how much this team is relying on something getting something from Bria Hartley in Kia Vaughn, I think is what Chicago and I, what Chicago has even, you know, diamond to shields wasn't great, but you know, Steph Dolson is just a really quality player coming off the bench that Phoenix at this point just doesn't have in this matchup in particular, going back to what we were talking about. Stephanie Dolson is a great matchup for Griner because she pulls Griner out of the paint. And if she doesn't, she's going to make her pay. And she passes and she screens. What does Vaughn do to create an advantage for the Mercury against Chicago? And, you know, Dolson was rough in the Connecticut series, but there's no one really on this Phoenix team that's going to kind of create those Steph Dolson disadvantages in terms of, you know, getting Alyssa Thomas in the pick and roll and attacking with her strength and picking, you know, getting Dolson in fall trouble. You know, of course, she did have three falls in 16 minutes, but they're... Dolson just doesn't have to kind of worry about her matchup in the same way. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is Griner puts puts her into the goal a couple times, which which she did. But you know that's she's not going to be the primary matchup on Griner for most of the time she's out there. You know she just doesn't have to worry in the same way. The thing I'd worry about with Stephanie Dolson is if they're playing an aggressive pick and roll defense with her, and Tarazi or Diggin Smith are the ball handlers. Because that it's if you attack the hedge like that, Dolson is going to pick up the foul. Like it's it's not even a question of of, of if it's it's just when. But um, yeah. Other than that, I totally agree. I think that's a good series. What about for Diamond to Shields here? Because she had not so great of a game. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to say. You know, I I, I don't. You know, is there I, a place for her in this series? I mean, there there's gonna you know for her for her eleven minutes, right? It, it's just the role that she played today, and you know, a couple of these games she'll hit two or three threes. She'll obviously make that layup that she missed in transition. You know, ninety nine times out of a hundred, that was just you know the the one, I guess. But you know, it, but she's just she's this team's seventh best player at this point. You know, and I mean that that's kind of one thing I wanted to get into with. Chicago is, you know, this, this is not the Connecticut Sun, right? They have real guards who can score the basketball. Is Allie Quigley going to be trusted late in game? Is hiding her on, you know, Shea Petty and, and hoping that they don't really like hunt that mismatch or, or that matchup, I should say, not mismatch, that, that they don't, Phoenix doesn't hunt that matchup possession after possession in a late game. It will be interesting to see if Quigley's trusted a little bit more as important as she is for this team offensively. I mean, she played 35 minutes today. And that's actually a team high. And you know Kalia Copper is not going to be taken off the floor for very long because they need her on defense. She's the team's best perimeter defender. So 
Yeah, I think for Rita Shields, I, I can't see her playing many more minutes in any game than she did today. Maybe there's an adjustment made by Phoenix, and maybe they do hunt that quickly matchup. But even so, if you're going to Shea Petty possession after possession when you have Griner, Diggins Smith, and Tarazi, like Well, I think it's more them. like small, small pick and roll to try to get oh, okay, one of okay. your good I, players on to, you know, Allie Quigley. I feel that. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, that's that's a different story. But, uh, I mean, they weren't really able to do that too often today, were they? No, and it didn't even really seem like it was... But again, like how much of a game plan was there even, you know, kind of coming in with a quick turnaround. So, you know, we'll see. I I definitely think, uh, well, before we kind of get into what we we think for the the rest of this, uh, was there anything else just from like Chicago offensively, you know, either that you think Phoenix should adjust to or that you want to see more of from from your sky? Well, shocker here. The sky are better when Courtney Vanderson is on the court than when she's on the bench. Plus 25, Dana Evans minus seven. I mean, I think a lot of that was that even like, I think in the competitive portion of this game, though, Dana Evans was in the plus, you know, barely, but was she really like, I don't, yeah, some of that might've been in that, in that garbage time late, 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 late run. But, uh, but even, even so, even so uh, I'd expect Slute to play at least 32, 33, maybe even like 34 or 35 minutes. But Eric, even, even Dana Evans is better than any guard that Phoenix has off the bench. Like they would kill for a Dana Evans right now. You think so? I mean, don't she can she has over, over you know a, a WNBA skill that that you can rely on at this point. Um, and again, Hartley is a very accomplished player. She's just not there physically. Like I, I don't mean to beat up on kind of her her game. Like we we saw the best of Bria Hartley that we'd ever seen early last year, but it, it's just not the same player at this point. And also, I I wanted to point something out. I don't know if you saw this, but it was it was out of a timeout uh, when Evans was on the floor and Wade said, "Follow Candace." Follow Candace, and then and then Parker took over the huddle. I think he was talking to Dana Evans, and that's that's something that you noticed earlier is that whenever Evans or Lexi Brown was on the floor, Parker was also on the floor. So you, you at least still have some semblance of, of playmaking there. So I really like that adjustment. I just, mm, I don't know, man. I, I really hope that injury to to Courtney Vanderson, whatever it was, I don't think it was that serious. It, it didn't look that serious, but you saw you saw them working on her on the bench later in the game. So. I don't know. I think I think this guy went out with a very solid game plan on both ends of the court. Uh, and really, if, if it weren't if it weren't for a few makeable misses that from Ali Quigley early in the game, uh, this could have been you know even even more of a, a sky victory. So uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for, for for Phoenix to make a counter adjustment here because I don't think you can get this far with this kind of talent and just lie down like this and, and put out two more efforts like this. You know. I mean, I think overall in the series, there you can make a very good case that Phoenix has the best two players in the series in oh, yeah. in Griner, who, like like you said, is is playing the best basketball of any player in the world right now. She's certainly, I think, the best individual offensive player in the league. You know, defense is, is another thing, but there there's there's you've said it before, like you nobody needs to be adjusted for uh, from a game to game perspective like Brittany Griner does. No nobody kind of strikes uh counters uh, in the defense quite like Brittany Griner uh in terms of kind of you know game prep and what what teams are focusing on it's how do we stop Brittany Griner what's the best way to handle Brittany Griner on the offensive end and Skylar Diggins Smith you know she she was outplayed by her counterpart that will be one matchup that is going to be fascinating you know how many games does Skylar Diggins Smith get the better of Courtney Vandersloot I imagine it'll probably one or two over the course of a five game series, you know, she's, mm-hmm. she's a great, great player. Um, but then, you know, you look down the rest of the roster, if you're going to get this, this Tarasi and this Turner, you know, 
Chicago probably has the next five or six best players in the series after the top two. And it's like the way that the Phoenix roster is constructed. Yes, you have three of the best players in the world, particularly on offense. But if they're all having an off game like this, it's like the roster is built around those players. So the compliment, I don't think it's really fair to ask much more of players like Turner or Petty or, or even Hartley or Vaughn to do to, than what they did today, because if none of your three best players are contributing, well, I mean, that's an issue. Do you think we see any minutes at all this series of Diana Taurasi at the four with Brianna at the four with Brittany Griner, Taurasi, Petty and Cunningham? And, you know, if if Azra Stevens is going to kill Diana Taurasi, then that's how we go out. But that's the best option that we have offensively to to actually present Brittany Griner with a balanced floor to to score the basketball. I don't know if have they ever done that. Well, they've they've played her uh, at center, kind of in in a two one two, playing her in the middle. But it, it uh, no, I don't, I can't recall too many matches. It's an interesting idea. I mean, she played with Bigs, obviously, in those lineups. I was I was kidding, but yeah, but you know, this team just has so few options. Like, what what else do you try in a five game series if if these things aren't working for you? You need your best players to play their best basketball, and she's that. you know. She she just isn't really going to be able to hang athletically with those perimeter options. So, you know, do your best boxing out Stevens and, and you know, hope she doesn't kind of kill you in the post, which she obviously has the length to, but we've seen Diana Trossi hold up okay against bigger players. Obviously, she had that very impactful block on Liz Cambage. Yeah, Cam she blocked Beige. Liz Cambage. Well, yeah. Uh, and that's one thing. I wonder if we'll see Phoenix do as much switching as they did today. And Phoenix was able to be as undisciplined as possible in a lot of their switching. And, you know, I think Chicago could even really take more advantage of that, getting the ball to their bigs when when you have a guard switched on them. So we'll see how Phoenix kind of continues. Do you think that was a fatigue thing, just switching the entire game? It, it very well might have been, yeah. That, that's a good point. I hadn't really considered that, you know, it was maybe just kind of to remove that margin of error uh, with all the fatigue they have. Do you have any predictions for the rest of the series? I think Phoenix will win the next game. Um, I think, you know, I think it goes back to Chicago tied one, one, which, you know, as the Chicago sky is all you can ask for, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I just think Phoenix is, is just going to kind of run out of gas eventually. You know, they, they just don't have the horses, but I thought that last series too. I, but I, I do think, you know, they'll, they'll come out with a better, you know, better performance in game two. And I think you said you would agree with that, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. It's, I mean, it's hard to see them do much worse and, I think they have the right mix of, of, of veterans and just talent, just pure talent. I, I don't think, for as good as the defensive game plan was today, especially in Brittany Griner, I, I can't see them keeping it up for another full 40 minutes. You know, It's not like this is the Connecticut Sun out there who are just flying around with intense discipline on defense. The Skies still do have weak links on defense. But, I mean, I, th- I think James Wade and his staff are having one heck of a series, or not series, a, a postseason as far as game planning for, for opposing bigs and, and opposing, you know, really opposing star players. So we'll see what further uh, matchups or what further moves they make in that little chess match there. Uh, you know, Sandy Brindello does have a, does have a double agent on the Chicago sky coach, coach Olaf Lang is, is, is her husband. So we'll see if any, uh, if that contributes at all, but he did laundry yeah. at the house, Eric. I'm not sure if you heard he that. Did, on yeah, the he did do the laundry. That's true. That's true. I wonder, wonder if anything happened there, but um, yeah, it's, it's shaping up to be a great series. Uh, obviously, as a Sky fan, I'm hoping they can close it out at home. I'm not sure 
how I'll even react, <laughs> if I'll even be able to believe it if that happens. But yeah. Um, anything else from, from Mr. Trinkwald? I think I'm good. Um, hopefully these next few games will be a little bit more competitive. It, it was a heck of a first half. And, you know, I think fatigue just got, got the best of Phoenix as well as, you know, just some, some undisciplined play uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, let's wrap it up. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to support the pod, which we would appreciate, you can subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts on the three places that we are available, uh, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on social media or Twitter specifically at Double Down WNBA, at Nemchalk E for Eric, at Trinkwald for myself. And we will be back on next Sunday, maybe with a closed series, maybe maybe, pre- maybe previewing game five. Uh, I guess we'll see. And Eric, I will see you on Friday. I will see you on Friday. That's going to be very exciting. We'll have both of the Double Down guys in attendance on Friday for game three. So we're looking forward to that. Um, take care, everybody. Uh, enjoy the rest of the series and uh, have a good week.